Now, here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. Uh, boy, there's a storm raging outside, but uh, but we're here in a nice, uh, warm studio. Uh, don't uh, don't, don't uh, feel bad. We're going to get this show done today. We got uh, we got some guests in the studio with us this morning. Uh, Peter, uh, I have a funny feeling that I'll bet you Jim couldn't make it in from Marcel, could he? Good morning, folks out there. It's a beautiful sunny day here in downtown Duluth. My you're nose lying, is... You're lying, you <laughs> See that nose? It's starting to poke out pretty good. I'm going to poke Kenny in the eye here pretty quick. No. <laughs> hey, folks, sorry, but uh, this morning, Jimmy Chef from Marcel was going to come down and be one of the guest speakers here with me about his logging operation. It's a very impressive family operation, and the snow and the... They had rain before, and it got extremely bad, so he called it off, and I said, I think you're making the right choice, because even on drive yeah. payment, for him to come here is probably a good two-and-a-half-hour drive on drive payment. So to ask oh. a fellow logger to do something like this, it's a long stretch, so hold on to that thought. He will come in, I said, somewhere between April and July of next spring. He will be coming okay. in, folks, and will be a great conversation with the chef family. So... It's always a challenge. It seems like you've got to adapt extremely quickly, I guess you could say, because uh, I was going to talk to Jimmy about his family and that, but, hey, we move on. And so us loggers were always adapting and looking out with the weather. It was beautiful yesterday, and it started. you could feel the moisture in the air. I thought, I hope this is not another Halloween snowstorm because, <laughs> oh, man, it uh, it just does not help because... We have an okay amount of frost, not much, but an okay. And if yeah. you get a lot, a lot of snow on top of this, what it does is, you know, you have your blacktop driveways and county roads, and it doesn't seem like, oh, that's okay, we'll get through it. But in the woods, you can actually literally, a lot of snow on there will be like a thermal blanket, and it can, it'll get on top, oh, sure. and then the ground is still at 56, 57 degrees or whatever it is, and it will start to slowly thaw that little bit of frost you have out, and pretty soon... You don't have any frost, and it can get very frustrating. Well, especially, uh, especially Peter, in some of those bogs, I'll bet you, you don't, uh, they don't start freezing under that blanket of snow. No, no, and the swamps are warm, and they will hold their heat, and you could have 20, 30 below, and if you have a three, four feet of snow on top of that, it won't go through it. It'll stay, you may get a hair crust, but it will hold humans, but it won't hold equipment, so... It becomes a yeah. big challenge for loggers to get those swamps off or wide pads, wide tires, and make sure where you go, watch the ground, and you got to learn how to read the ground in that, and that's another challenge because you could fall through, and now everything around you is a bog, and it gets no so, fun. Uh, so were you able to recruit anybody else to come in to help you out this morning? Uh, yeah. I, I heard uh, a rumor. <laughs> well, it was basically, Scott, either you're coming or you're fired attitude. <laughs> <laughs> So he had to drive probably an hour farther than me in time, but hey, he's here happily willing to do this, right, Scott? Yeah, they had to scrape the bottom of the barrel uh, today to, to fill in, but uh, I'm glad to be here. Hey, but, Scott, I, I meant to ask you before, where exactly do you live anywhere? You're out of Duluth a ways, aren't you? Yeah, up on the Iron Range uh, in rural Gilbert, That's what I rural Gilbert, Minnesota. Oh, okay. How was the drive down from there this morning? I bet you that was a little dicey, huh? Yeah, it was a one-lane one lane operation um, going about 45 miles an hour. The traffic was flowing at. Uh, it was a little bit, but it's, you know, it's the Minnesota. You know, it's one of the first storms of the year, but this is typical for us. We just have to be careful. 
Yeah. It yeah. seemed like and it got it, worse it, as you got to Duluth, more got thicker snow banks yeah. and everything. Where I'm at is only about two, three well, inches, you know. It, yeah, and it looks like it, from the national weather that I saw last night, it looks like it's going to go up through Grand Marais, Silver Bay, more than it is over towards the range area. So you shouldn't get hit that much up there. But, but boy, it's always uh, dicey. The first couple of snowstorms of the year, we always it's it's like Northlanders learn how to drive all over again. Yep, so, yep. And we want to share the snow at the loggers over in Wisconsin. So we're glad to have them get more of it because we want to be more beneficial for them as well. So, uh, so let me ask uh, right off the bat here, Peter. Uh, when you're logging, and you get this kind of weather, do you log in it or do you stay home? Or, uh, no. or does it really? We're going huh? in this. We're we're going in this. You know, you may do a little maintenance, like a semis may instead of may they may make three trips on a regular day. Today they may only make one or so because you're fighting okay. so many things. But as far as going in the woods, a lot of times you're still going. You know the. You're, you, it depends on the ground, depends where you're at. You stop with a car, you know, you may spin a little bit, but a semi, you have like the ones we drive, we have six axles, you got 22 tires on the ground. You stop, every one of those tires, if they're warm, are going to cup. And you hope that you can stop where you can get rolling again. Because every tire will make a, will warm the ground and it'll slowly get like a little bowl around that tire, every one. And so you could actually literally spin, be flat ground, can't get going. And so sure. it gets very, very frustrating. A lot of loggers that have a center mounts and that, they'll have chains on their truck where they will carry with or they can throw them on to get going again until they get to a spot where they can pull them off. And that gets pretty old. The machines in the woods, uh, this kind of weather, you don't worry about the depth of the snow. You worry about the softness of the ground. And you want to yeah. get the ground where it's nice and firm, where you can go really good. And... The machines will go. This is nothing for the machines to go through. I mean, even uh, I think Wisconsin's going to get more than us. Duluth, I think they're, it looks like around eight inches to me of snow. That's nothing for them to go through, the machines in the woods. I mean, you pull skids and yeah. forwarders and processors, they'll go right through it like nothing. So if if I'm hearing you guys right, Scott and, P- and Peter, what, what you're saying is that the the perfect perfect scenario would be if you can get a really good hard freeze first before you get a lot of snow definitely absolutely that's perfect you're right and for a prolonged period of time you know we've had some some uh, you know cold snaps here you know for a couple of days and then it warms up and rains and so it needs to be established the guys need to get a chance to get out there and start uh, tramping tramping their roads and tramping their sites to, right. to drive that frost down so uh, it's, it's always a challenge and uh, speaking of challenges um, I want to kind of share some news with you today, and I think you'll be uh, excited to hear this. Uh, Brad, you've been to our, our uh, annual conference, which uh, has yes. almost 400 yes. people in attendance these days, sold out. Sure. And it's always fun to identify a keynote speaker that can uh, inspire people there. That's not easy when you're doing conferences. You know, you can bring in your, your run-of-the-mill politicians, and five minutes after they um, recite the same old uh, promises, uh, the audience forgets about it. So we right. work really hard on bringing in uh, motivational, uh, inspirational people. And because of uh, a posting that you guys had on your Facebook site a couple of months ago, I, I ran across yeah. somebody that I thought was kind of interesting, so I pursued him. And we have uh, booked him for our conference uh, in, in 2020. And it's uh, Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. Really? And I don't know if, you're kind of, if it rings a bell with you who he is. Yes. But yes. he is one yes, of uh, yeah he's one of five surviving quadruple amputees 
out of the Afghanistan yes. war. And he's a motivational speaker and has one heck of a story. And uh, he says that uh, every day is a challenge, um, but they're not challenges that we can't, uh, can't overcome. And, uh, you know, I think he'll guys, really that's resonate. The, that's the thing that I have found with these guys that have lost limbs, uh, been hit with IEDs or whatever, and they've lost, uh, in some cases, both legs and one arm, and, is they just have such incredible attitudes about going on with life. You know, and it really should make all of us kind of sit back a little bit and go, yeah, okay, I got a little bit of a hangnail today, or I got, I'm getting over a cold. Big deal. Yeah, I think Life that, goes on. And know? that's why we wanted to book Tra- uh, Staff Sergeant Travis Mills. You know, we all do have challenges and, and uh, frustrations in life, but we can look at others who have gone through a lot more and how they've uh, turned around to a positive and keep a positive attitude. So we're excited about having him booked, and uh, we also want to reach out to the uh, to a veterans organization. Help me out here, um, Brad. I think that it's uh, 21 or 23. What's the uh, organization in Duluth that uh, tries to prevent uh, another daily suicide from veterans? Oh, uh, you're talking about, um, uh, oh, God. 23rd Veteran? Uh, 23rd Veteran, yes. 23rd Veteran, the one that does the naked rucksack run every year to try. Yeah, their their goal is, uh, well, in fact, I was just reading a piece on this the other day, guys, that, uh, that since the end of the Iraq War... Uh, We have lost in this country something like 5,400 veterans through uh, combat in Afghanistan and Iraq and wherever we've sent our troops over the last, since 1999, I think we've lost 5,000 some troops. But we've lost four times that many from guys that have committed suicide, guys and gals who have committed suicide that have come back and not been able to deal with their uh, emotional drainage from the conflict that they were in, what they were involved in, something that they may have done or had to do while they were in the service. And uh, we just just haven't quite been able to strike that chord yet on how to best deal with these guys. And I know that uh, 23rd Veterans, that's that's pretty much their whole goal is to try to take that uh, that 23 veterans a year that commit suicide and sneak it down to a more livable number. Exactly. So we want to reach out to them, and um, you know, it's more important for them and those veterans to have an opportunity to meet Travis Mills and hear his story, and maybe they, he can help uh, with their efforts. So we're going to be reaching out to them as well to try to set up something while, while Travis is here. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, he's uh, the guy that runs that organization has been in the studio a number of times with us. In fact, last time he was in, Kenny, remember he brought brought his dog, service dog with? And the the service dog was a little more, um, shall we say, a little more disciplined and trained than Rebel. Now, are you talking about (laughs) Dexter, Mike Waldron's dog? Yeah, Mike Waldron's, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he just kind of sat there and looked at us, and you know, uh, and and uh, it wasn't it wasn't like Rebel uh, when the twenty one gun salute went off down at the Vietnam Veterans uh, Memorial that day. Yep, a uh, Rebel just took off and streaked right out of Kenny's hands, and uh, he found him somewhere up around the bend in the uh, Lake Walk. Uh, 
Brad, we got a guy. I, I hustled this morning. I got a hold of Commissioner Nelson to call in because there's some things that are going on, okay, at the national as well as the local level that I wanted him to hit on. And it was fortunate enough that he did call. And so we got him online here about things Super. that are in my backyard, actually, real backyard, and things at the national yeah. level that could help the timber industry greatly that he's going to be talking with. Is it uh, Congressman Stauber? Isn't it true, Commissioner? That is correct. First of all, thank you, Brad, for uh, everything you do uh, for the veterans in this great Northland uh, that I love so much. Hey. Um, My pleasure. I uh, I live to be able to try to help out because I know that there's a lot of guys that are much less fortunate than me. And uh, so I always always felt that it was my job to try to help out however I could. So it's been a pleasure. Do a, you, you do a great job. Um, I just want Scott to know that I'm one of those run-of-the-mill politicians that <laughs> that uh, comes and talks at different events. But uh, I'm, I'm doing the best I can. And, and I this morning I wanted to mention a couple of things that I think are really, really important. Um, the uh, At 11 o'clock today, uh, Congressman Stauber and myself uh, will be meeting with the Assistant Director of the EPA, Anna Izzel, um, regarding uh, biofuels and regarding the definition of slack um, to help out our logging community. Um, I was in Washington uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, spent the better part of the day with uh, the Congressman and his aides working other Congress uh, men and women's offices uh, to gain support on this. Um, it's a really big thing for our logging community, and I just want people to understand that, that uh, the congressman is doing everything he can in Washington, as frustrating as it is. Um, this guy works hard out there, and I, uh, I got to go out and witness it firsthand, um, and I had no doubt about it, but witnessing it firsthand is, is uh, a whole different experience. So. Um, we hope to get some results today from the EPA. Um, Washington is a whole different world, um, but uh, we're hoping to get some positive results and some positive feedback uh, from the EPA today, uh, possibly get uh, the Trump administration to make some moves to, to uh, help out our timber industry. We certainly need to do something. Uh, for the producers up here. That would be great. It would be it'd be very helpful because the timber industry does need this quite a bit. And it wouldn't be just here. It would be effective in the cities as well. It would be effective everywhere in this whole state and even in Wisconsin everywhere if we get this through. Now, guys, is this that issue that we had talked about a month or two ago where the uh, the, the EPA was kind of the one that was holding up the, uh, the idea of burning off... Uh, um, the residue left over, like dust and sawdust and stuff? Yes. Brad, what's the, important to recognize is the fact that the EPA has a definition uh, for slash that is really um, antiquated. It's really not okay. relative to today's timber industry. And and that's what, what the congressman is working so hard to get changed. Um, several months back, uh, myself and... Uh, and Peter and and Scott went to Renfro, Canada. We witnessed firsthand the manufacturing of biodiesel from timber slash. We not only we not only talked about it. We went up and witnessed firsthand the plant that manufactures it, and and we know that we can working with our timber industry with companies like Ensign and other refineries. We know that we can produce biofuel 
actually cheaper than what they're pumping crude oil out of the ground for to make diesel. Yeah. Uh, so we well, and, and Commissioner that, Nelson, okay. Commissioner Nelson, this is a this this is a process that you that unlike solar and wind, you wouldn't even have to subsidize as a government to make it profitable. There would be no need for a government subsidy to make this profitable. If you've ever heard of heard of or used for the listeners out there, if they've ever heard of or used liquid smoke um, in yeah. their cooking and in their barbecue grills, it's the same company. It's the same process, except they turn it into a fuel instead of into a food additive or a liquid smoke. It is incredible. Okay. The process is so advanced. Um, and the, these Canadian companies, when they lock in on something, they make it happen. And and all we're doing is looking at bringing this process to the United States. These companies are willing to build plants here in Minnesota. In fact, in St. Louis County, if we can get this rocked loose. And and that's that's what the emphasis will be today. Well, guys, uh, we, uh, as we all know, we are a commercial radio station. We have got to take a break here. Uh, but I, I hope we can keep Commissioner Nelson on the line with us because this is a very interesting, especially interesting uh, a whole new operation that could be available for the trucking and logging industry that might expand the market greatly. So I hope you can stick with us through this break. I also want to make sure that everybody knows that our friends up at the Cast Iron Barn Grill are inviting you up to take care of any good times you might want to have. Uh, let's say you're planning on a 50th wedding anniversary for your mom and dad, or uh, maybe you got a uh, somebody's uh, 60th birthday party that you're trying to put together. Well, you know what? The Cast Iron Bar and Grill can put together events in their event center for a few people or all the way up to a couple hundred people. A Cast Iron Bar and Grill used to be like nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew where it was, but everybody now knows it's up in the Pike Lake area. The Cast Iron Bar and Grill on Saturday and Sunday mornings brings you breakfast to a whole new level from 9 a.m. to 1 o'clock. They'll make omelets the way you want them made. They'll make pancakes. They'll make biscuits and gravy from scratch. All the breakfast staples are cooked up fresh for you every Saturday and Sunday morning. Any day is a great day to try out the Cast Iron's luncheon specials. And when it comes to a night out, don't miss live bands uh, each month and locally sourced acoustic musicians every weekend. For example, uh, tonight, join the Cast Iron for live music by the Silver Streak Band tonight, and the Deja Vu Drifters will be performing this Friday night starting at 7 p.m. So remember, for a small party or up to 200 people, you can uh, you can book their event center, the Cast Iron Bar and Grill off of Miller Trunk Highway in Pike Lake. Find them on Facebook or just give them a call at 218-729-7514. Ask them what their daily special and stop up there. You're going to love it. It's a great place, and their food is superb. So we'll be right back after this uh, break with more of Let the Sawdust Fly. Your Twin Ports home for Badgers football. Touchdown, Wisconsin. WDSM. Giants Redwood. Lodge. The fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing 
Sing! Sing! I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the laboratory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He cuts down trees. You gotta get to shopping, Pete. Today's Wednesday. <laughs> yep. <laughs> cut down trees. <laughs> Everywhere on the world. Is that how you is that how you pronounce it, Peter? The lavatory. The lavatory. Everywhere you go, it's there. <laughs> lots uh, of lots of room. But anyway. Well, were were we uh, were we able to keep Commissioner Nelson on with us? Yep. You do have me still here, Brad. Is it okay? All right, to good. Shameless plug for a restaurant. Of course, in my district, the Cast Iron. Well, um, you cannot keep a figure like mine. Brad, without going to places like the Cast Iron, okay? Oh, um, man, Commissioner. Is, well, <laughs> the food is... Let, let me just tell you, I took my wife up there for one of their Saturday morning uh, breakfasts, and the biscuit... I love biscuits and gravy. Ever since the Marine Corps, I love biscuits and gravy. Well, they make their butter or their Bisquick buttermilk biscuits fresh every morning. And my God, were they good. Oh, <laughs> It, again, I know it's a shameless plug. Thank you for allowing me to do it. The, All the, right. Uh, Brad, I'd like to talk to you about one other thing. And, and you know, for years, your 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 radio um, show has been the, one of the few places where I can talk to people in the Duluth market where it's not tainted by a certain newspaper that writes whatever they would like people. They, they write what they would like people to believe instead of actually reporting what's going on. Um, right. the, elk, yeah. the elk decision that the St. Louis County Board made uh, yesterday um, was based on any number of uh, issues related to elk, uh, diseases, public safety, um, our forestry floor. I, I honestly, you know, we know when the DNR gets involved, they're looking for six million dollars of taxpayer money to move in a couple of hundred elk and then what they'll do is they'll write a brand new forestry plan for the cloquet valley and and we won't be able to manage our forests because now you have an invasive species in the elk sure. here and we need to manage for them um it is they are a problem in western minnesota um they're a huge problem in northwestern minnesota and to bring them into an area that is as populated as ours with the farming and, and other things that go on in, in uh, central St. Louis County, it made zero sense. And, and uh, we'll stand by that. Uh, it, everybody, the Township Officers Association, the deer hunters, everyone was opposed to this. Um, and they continue to make it sound like in the paper that the public is 80% for it. Well, if you yeah. write polls how you want them written, you'll get the right answer. And it's, you know, the well, ACLT yeah, is opposed to it as well, Commissioner. You know, we spoke at one of your county board meetings. We've been down this road so many times. You know, having a new species uh, introduced out here is a nice touchy-feely type uh, proposal. But, you know, it's going to be – it won't be long before the Friends of Something or Another or the Save, Save the Something or Another organization uses the elk and their breeding 
times or their or their birthing times as just one more tool to restrict and limit uh, access to uh, uh, to the yep. to, to the timberlands. It's going to just one more tool for for uh, land restriction um, that we've seen used over and over and over again, and we've uh, well, we've kind of finally, Keith, finally uh, figured it out. Keith, you you hit it on the head. The paper, if you read the paper yesterday, it made it sound like it was all a political decision, that it had no science behind it. It had no, you hadn't done any research on it. And yet I know that's not the case. Deer hunters are very worried about another species coming in that may, uh, you know, we already have uh, a number of cases where the deer herd is infected with different uh, diseases and things. And if you're bringing another whole uh, line of uh, animals in, they're going to bring with them what uh, what susceptibilities they have. It's just not a good idea, I don't think. And 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 that's one of the factors. Another factor, um, what Scott doesn't tell you, he lives about two miles from me as the crow flies up here, and uh, okay. it, 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 I'm a farm boy. I, I raise beef cattle. I'm a third generation beef farmer, and and you know. Um, the, these animals, these elk are a herd animal and they, the amount of crop depredation, the amount of fence damage, the amount of issues related to, uh, to farming or agriculture that they create is another huge reason for not wanting them to be in this area, which by the way, in the Cloquet Valley, there is no historical record of elk ever being there it is not no. a reintroduction. It is an introduction of an invasive species, elk, into the Cloquet Valley. Well, guys, when I looked at it from the outside, I just wondered, uh, you know, because I, I now have a daughter and her whole family that live up in the Ely area, and uh, and they have seen more wolves up there than they have seen just about anything else. And I thought, gee, is this the introduction of a new food source for the growth of the wolf population, or what is this? Six million taxpayer dollars to bring in 200 elk. Six million taxpayer dollars. Wow. Well, listen, guys, uh, I hate to do this, but we have got to go to our Fox News break here. I hope you can all stick with us. If you can't, I understand it. But we got to go to our Fox News, Kenny, and then we'll come back with much more with Let the Sawdust Fly here on the last Wednesday of the month. Updates brought to you by Lady O'Collins Emporium, 31 West Superior Street, a place of magic in downtown Duluth, 722-2240. That's Lady O'Collins Emporium. WDSM AM 710 and FM 98.1. We're going to lose them at some point. Well, listen to the strains of the Woodchopper's Ball... (laughs) We are back uh, with with uh, let the sawdust fly, yep. Uh, Peter. Yep. We have uh, listeners all over the area, and one of them is a, a, a gentleman named Corey from up in the Virginia area. Yep. And he wanted to lighten things up a little bit this morning, so he gave me a simple uh, joke to ask you if you knew the answer to it. Okay. Okay, you ready? No, but I'll try. 
Okay, what does a lumberjack have in common with a preschooler? I'll probably insult a lot of people here, but IQ. <laughs> no, it, it was it wasn't quite that bad, uh, but it was it was very simple. He says they can both count to three. <laughs> With your gloves off, and then if you go with oh no shoes, you can go to twenty. Yeah, you know one, two, three. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Onward to something oh. more, Corey. Thanks. <laughs> but, uh, folks, um, the thing is about like with keeping with uh, Commissioner Nelson and Congressman Stauber and senators from the state and uh, and also Wisconsin. This is why one has to be in touch with these people, I believe, these politicians. Yes. It isn't to hurt or bash or anything. What it is is that you keep each other informed of what's going on because, like the commissioner was talking about, Cloquet Valley Forest is literally right behind me where I live. It's a good-sized area. And when somebody wants to introduce this, usually they got plans down the road 20, 30, 40 years. Is what it is. It may not. It'll seem so harmless, but if you're a snowmobiler, you're in their bullseye. If you're a logger, you're in their bullseye. If you're a hunter, you are in their bullseye. You think that this is going to be just something that's willy nilly, and all of a sudden, five years from now, it seems like a little bit change and a little bit change after five more years. It's a slow incremental thing, is what it is, and it gets a person really irritated. I'm really trying to be very nice about this is they try and incrementally do things to slowly, slowly make you not use the land. And so if you're a land use, per, land use person, now that's why I say hunting, snowmobiling, anything that's land use, you are in this bullseye just as much as we are. And if you could take and stop basically what, you, what takes place, what I've seen in my lifetime, is if you can stop logging, you can stop everything else. It's just a matter of time. And they, they, ones that do this stuff, they do not look at it in a year increments. They look at it 10, 20, 30 years down the road. So it's a longevity thing, and it slowly processes it. Pretty soon you're there in a couple generations. Well, it's always been this way. No, it hasn't been. It's like logging the BWCA. At one time, it was logging was done the BWCA. But today people think, it was. people think today it's never been logging. You can go up there and still find the old railroad beds. They weren't put in there because somebody was wanting to pull a canoe down it. This is one of the things that takes place. I I have been up there numerous times and and fished on on the lake, out of uh, Veterans on the Lake, just outside of Ely. Mm -hmm. And you go to the far side of the lake, and there still are the pylons in the water. You can fish around them. In fact, they're pretty good fishing around them. But those are the pylons for the railroad uh, trestles that used to be in there to haul off the, the logging. Exactly right. And that's why if you can slowly increment, it's like it never existed. It did exist. And, and it did happen. And so if you can slowly peel away, and that's why a person needs to keep in touch with the politicians so that you, you understand what's going on a little bit and you have meetings with them so you can put your point across. Because if all we did was stay in the woods and just keep going, you might be okay for your generation, but what are you going to leave for your children and the next children? That's why you try and help to to get the word out. And that's why I'm so thankful for Brad and Kenny that you're allowing us to come on here once a month, at least say a little bit about our industry. So when people out there, the listeners can understand what's really going on, why we do what we do. Even just a simple thing, why is a pulp truck stuck in the middle of the road? 
because all the tires yeah. are cupped. And they'll get going, but it's very frustrating. There's a lot of challenges. Well, <clears throat> Go ahead, Brad. Well, I, I had a question for both uh, you, Scott, and, and Peter, back on this uh, biofuel from logging uh, uh, yep. scraps and excess. I visualize this as a way of almost creating this from uh, like an apple press or a press that squeezes no, no. the biofuel. No, let that's me jump not in it. there. We can't talk about How? the proprietary uh, end of this. To be honest with you, we sign okay. we sign non disclosure agreements, um, but it's a different process uh, that 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 uh, distills it. Um, but Peter can talk real fast. Next week, Peter and I um, are going to be down in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um, following up at the state level on this. Peter, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, it took a little time, but uh, through the 49ers, Jason George is the head of the 49ers, all of Minnesota and Dakotas, and asked him, and he got a meeting He got a meeting for us, Scott, Dane, and myself, to meet with the governor's staff and to talk about the timber industry, talk about turning wood waste into bio-crude. And in a way, the reason why is, yes, we have to get it done at the national level, but you also have to bring in your state level, too, to get them up to speed a little bit on what you want to do. Um, the reason why is you want everybody on board because as it's kind of like if you want to build a plant, if you want to build a business, you have to have an infrastructure to feed that and to also export it, your product in, product out. And if you don't have enough people on board, you will find yourself short and all of a sudden it can collapse on its own. But So that's why we hope it would be great if we could get the governor there to listen in. But his staff, his chief of staff, I think it's his chief of staff, I think is going to be there. And the ones that will feed him about what we're talking about. And hopefully um, it will be convincing enough where they would like, because convincing enough, because this is truly green energy. It does take sure. wood waste and it does turn into bio crude is what it really is. And it does work. Okay. And there's a lot of outfits out there that say they can make charcoal, can make gasoline, can do this, this, this. And that it all sounds great, but now if you can, and you can do it in Texas or California, we'd like to come and see it work and prove yeah. it. Well, Encent, the company that does it up in, up, it's out of Ottawa. I forgot the name of the town. It's about an hour's drive out of Ottawa. They proved it. They're the only company that I know of that actually proved they can take wood waste, soda style, and turn into bio crude. Okay? So it sounds, if other people can say it, you know, like, here's one, okay? Back in the 30s and 40s, Nazi Germany actually could take wood and turn it into gasoline and diesel. They actually could do it. So the technology to take wood and turn it into a fuel is achievable. Nazi Germany did it back then because they didn't have enough fuel to run their tanks and all that kind of stuff. That technology is from back then. So if somebody says, yeah, we can do it, yeah, you can because it's old technology. This technology, it, let me back up here. That technology back then, it does work, but it's like twice as expensive, I think. It just financially cannot do it financially. So it can be done. A lot of things can be done. It's financially can you do it. That process, how they do it, I've listened to how it's done, will never compete with what Ensign does. I can't, I would love to tell everybody how it works, but I know if I do, I'm in real, real deep doo-doo if I do. Make me, you're going to make me keep thinking about new ways. And now I visualize them boiling it in a big vat and boiling it. <laughs> you keep guessing there, Brad. That's great. <laughs> 
But okay. No, the truth is, folks, I really would, but I, I, I can't. But it, it does work. It's proven. And you can take, like the Nazis did, the Germany did in the 30s and yes. 40s. It does work, but it's way more expensive. This system is a one-step system. There's very little waste. And a lot of product comes out of just that little bit of wood. It's amazing to me. And the, Governor Governor Walls wants to go to 100 uh, percent renewable by 2050. If 2050 I'm not is yeah. what he wants. Yeah, and uh, this would play right into that. Uh, District Energy, uh, which is down in St. Paul, which uh, utilizes biomass for burning purposes right now mm-hmm. to heat and and cool a lot of the city down there, the Twin Cities, uh, would be able to convert uh, over and utilize uh, bio crude, um, and th- therefore meet the uh, the renewable uh, objectives of of this administration in Minnesota. Okay, is that is that the place in St. Paul that has the big? Uh, uh, they burn uh, ca- uh, cardboard and stuff and, and turn it into fuel. And uh, or is that a different? I'm not sure about necessarily cardboard, but they do take uh, okay. wood waste, urban wood waste, and that type of stuff, and and burn it. Okay. Uh, don't, well, I'll tell don't, you, I I I, I think it's a, an amazing, an, just an amazing future for logging. If in fact you can, you know, get the EPA to, uh, and and I don't think there's any reason why you can't. I mean, it it just seems like a natural. It is it is a very very big deal as you as a person learns more and more about it. That's why we've been working on it for what over a year. I think we've yeah. been just trying and trying and trying and. And like Scott, he'll go and do things. You know, when when I go places, it's on my own dime. I mean, I, I pay for 100% of everything I do with this. And so any logger that gets involved, you're on your own money. There's no corporate money. It's you. And when I'm gone, it stops. But I believe in the process because they're the ones that proved it can be done. So if if a person's not willing to grab it and actually push and work for it, who is? If, yeah. if you're not willing to stand, it's kind of like the nation. If you're not really proud of your nation, then who is going to be? You know, you you got to be. Well, you got to be willing to. You got to be loggers. Got to be willing, and people got to be willing to listen about the timber industry. Because if you take it away, you're gonna. It's gonna be a matter of time. Nobody's gonna lo- use that land. It will slowly be used, yeah. or you can't use it. Well, and I keep thinking locally uh, of the example of Al Amatuzzi over, over there at Amsoil. You know, he brought back from World War II the same thing. He found out that the Germans were running a lot of their tanks and a lot of their other products on synthetic oils when they ran out of lubricants that they couldn't get their hands on. And he developed a whole industry around that that is now a, a, a national known uh, synthetic oil, yeah. oil. So A lot of those people that are like that, they're very intelligent, and there are certain ones like him that actually can talk normal sense and they can talk extremely intelligent sense. They have both, yeah. and there's very few people with that. And so that's why I believe he he did tremendous, but he saw an opportunity and he ran with it. Yep. It's like it's like for us loggers, you're struggling all the time, but it's it's the way of life. And this is one tool that we hope to bring in to help the timber industry across. It's not just Minnesota folks. This could, like, you take the metro area. The metro area, I forgot how much produces. It produces a huge amount of wood waste every year from just trees, branches, windstorms. I can't remember, but years ago I remember hearing about it. It was many, many thousand cords a, a year they would do. And so you, you could actually, if you could do this, you could actually build a plant there and take nothing but city waste. And do it this instead of land use and that. 
There's a there's a lot of skeptics out there about this governor. In fact, one of our listeners this morning sent me a note as we were talking and said to tell Pete that the only way this governor walls will go for this, if you can switch logging trucks over to electric trucks, <laughs> electric skidders and electric bunchers. <laughs> we're working on that, Tom. We're working on that. Yeah. <laughs> By 2050, we'll be really close. How does that sound? Yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> Actually, well, I guys, looked at uh, it. Scott and Peter, uh, thank you again for a wonderful show. We have got to take our Wisconsin news break and then wrap this hour up. But uh, we love having you guys come in as always. It's stimulating, uh, enjoyable, and very interesting discussion. It happens the last Wednesday of every month during the 9 o'clock hour here on Sound Off. Uh, it's a little little thing we call Let the Sawdust Fly. So thank you guys again for coming in and drive safe today, okay? Thank you very much, folks. And folks out there, have a great Thanksgiving weekend, folks. Thank you. Your Twin Ports home from a 